For the second straight season, Carolina enters their bowl game on a multiple game losing streak. Can they pull it together this time and grab a win with a brand new quarterback? Or does it even really matter? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you everydayers in particular for joining us today to get your Tar Heels every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Hey, if you're new to the show or you're visiting back again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you want to be a bigger part of the Locked on Tar Heels community, we've got this awesome Discord chat going on all the time. The link for that's in the show notes. We'd love to have you come join us in there. I want to give you a reminder that I gave earlier in the week, but maybe you missed it. My wife surprised me with a trip to New York City at the latter half of this week to kind of kick off my 40th birthday, which is in a couple weeks. That being said, I'm actually going to miss the bowl game. So tomorrow's show, Thursday, will not be a bowl game recap. It's a pre-recorded show that's going to be with Coach Pat Kilby. We'll be talking about other stuff. Um, And so just want to make you aware of that in advance. But today, we are getting you ready for the bowl game. So we're definitely going to talk about all that. Just wanted to make you aware of that programming update. So coming up, we'll have all our usual pregame football stuff, what to watch for, my prediction, help you get to know West Virginia, what they're bringing to the table. And we'll have some big picture conversation about what this game means for Carolina, what they're trying to do, what they're not trying to do, all of that kind of stuff. So let's get right into it. Let me set up the game for you. Remind you, this is the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Carolina against West Virginia. As of right now, FanDuel line West Virginia minus six and a half. I was kind of surprised by that. I think they're just like, oh, hey, Drake May's not playing for Carolina, so let's make this line real big. Over-under is set at 54 and a half. The game is at 5.30 Eastern tonight on ESPN. Obviously, it's in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. So here is the big, big, big picture conversation that we need to have to prep for this game to help kind of put ourselves in the right frame of mind for it. Like what to expect from Carolina, because here's my big question. What will UNC's offense be without Drake May? I think a lot of us are very aware of the fact that over the past of the course, two seasons over the, (laughs) I just flipped that over the course of the past two seasons without Drake May, with all due respect to every player and every coach and every you know, support staff that is part of this program without Drake May. I don't know that Carolina has even done half of what they've done as far as success. In fact, let me give you some of this year's stats. Entering the postseason, they are the fourth ranked offense in all of FBS. They're averaging 503.9 yards per game. They're averaging 36.6 points a game, 15th in the FBS. They're eighth in FBS in passing offense, one of just 13 teams averaging 300 plus yards. 
Carolina is the only ACC school with three pass catchers in the top 20 in receiving yards in the conference. That's Tez Walker, that's J.J. Jones, and that's Bryson Nesbitt. The problem, as you know, as you hear me read those names, only one of those guys is available for this game tonight. That's part of what we're talking about. Carol, there are only four teams in all of FBS. This is the entirety of FBS that eclipsed 2,300 rushing yards and 3,600 passing yards this season. Those teams are LSU, Oregon, Texas, and North Carolina. That's it. So I could go on and on and on and on with these state these stats, blowing up this offense, talking about how electric it's been, but you get the point. Again, so much of this is due to Drake May and all the guys he has at his disposable disposal. Excuse me. <laughs> Thankfully, Omarion Hampton has been an absolute dude this year. But I also have to wonder how much of that is Drake May's influence. Because of having to respect the pass, Omarion gets more space. It's kind of like Armando Baycott gets more room to operate in the lane when the guys are hitting from outside, if we can compare it to basketball in that way. So, so this is what we're talking about. You take Drake May out of the equation, you insert Connor Harrell, and what do we have? The problem is I don't think we really know yet. You know, we we got some of Connor Harrell a couple, uh, you know, late in the season in that Campbell game. So you got to see some of it, but I mean, not the full thing. And and you start looking at it. You know, we I said no Tez Walker, no JJ, or excuse me, you will have JJ Jones, no Bryson Nesbitt, who's out with injury, as is John Copenhaver. And of course, Kamari Morales is off to Boston College. So as you look at this offense, not only what is it going to be without Drake May, but what do you do with your tight ends? Do you use them to block? Do you see if Deems May, who's at the top of the depth chart for the tight ends right now, you know, like how ready is he? Do, do you throw him in there or do you do you change things for this one game? And I think the biggest question is what do you do with Connor Harrell? Do you just kind of roll out the same playbook you had with Drake May or over the course of this month or whatever since the NC State game? Do you insert a whole bunch of new plays in a new offense to go out and try to win what's essentially an exhibition game? Do you run new stuff? Do you just say, you know what, Connor, you got this dude behind you in Omarion Hampton that could probably just run all over West Virginia. So why don't you just hand the ball off to him a lot tonight? Right? Like you got all these things that you got to sort through. Here's the thing for me. In a lot of ways, I said it on yesterday's show. I think I said it just a second ago. This game is essentially an exhibition game. Yes, you would love to win it because if you're on the field, you want to win. But this is, hear me on this. This is less about winning and more about trying to figure out what you got with the guys that are coming back. So if I'm Mac Brown, if I'm Chip Lindsay, here's what I'm doing. I, over the past month, have been inserting a, a, a playbook that I would use with Connor Harrell if he was my starting quarterback next year. And I know you don't have all your skills guys available, at least at tight end and receiver, but you got most of your offensive line intact. You've got uh, your running back room pretty much intact. And so what I'm going to do is treat this game as though it was the fall of 2024. And Connor Harrell's my quarterback, and we're going to run the plays that we would run for him. 
take advantage of his legs, take advantage of his arm, take advantage of RPO stuff between he and Omarion and how that opens things up for the receivers. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of options and a lot of possibilities there. And that's how I would operate it. So again, I'd love to win it, but I'm more interested in seeing what I've got with Connor Harold. Let, let him do it. Like let him work through his issues. Um, let him go through the, the successes, but, but figure out how, how does he handle the adversity of a game? How, how does he handle the success of a game? How does he handle the huddle and working with his teammates when they're struggling or when they're high? How does he rein everyone in? How does he command the team? That's how I would treat this game. Because again, the, the, the winning or losing of this game, this bowl game, it just don't matter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I know that's difficult to wrap our brains around, but it's the truth. And so that's where I'm at. What is this offense going to be with Connor Harrell? I'm going to go out and try to run what I would have him run next year. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Are you with me or do you feel differently? I'd, I'd love to know. All right. Coming up next is what we do to preview every football game. It is our what to watch for. Where I'm going to give you four things that I am watching for in this game that I think will be critically important in helping to turn if determine if Carolina is able to win it. And we'll have that conversation in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, look, there's no better time to get in on that action than right now. The app is so easy to use. They've got all sorts of betting possibilities for you. Spreads, player props, over-unders things like uh, odds on, on tonight's game against West Virginia. As I said earlier, the Mountaineers are favored by six and a half. The over-under is 54 and a half for this. Look, I'm I'm not much of a betting man, but Carolina getting six and a half, I'm taking that all day long. So if you want to get in on that action or NFL action this season, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to do so. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's get into our what to watch for. I'm going to give you four things to watch for in this game. I've already said it, and truly, this is the big umbrella thing. What will the offense look like under Connor Harrell? That's going to tell us a lot about how Carolina is approaching this game. But I want to give you four extra things in addition to that. So we just talked about the offense, then it's clear and obvious that we also got to ask the question, what's the defense going to look like? The biggest, biggest, biggest thing is that Cedric Gray who has been the heart and soul of this defense for a couple of years now is going to be gone. It's, I mean, you've heard me talk about over and over and over again, that the secondary and the line have been a little bit questionable, maybe a lot bit questionable, but the two dudes in the middle, Cedric Gray and power Eccles are these rocks, these strongholds, these cornerstones that you can rely on always and forever. Half of that tandem is not playing in this game. You'll have Power Eccles. You'll have Amari Campbell. What is that duo going to show? Because, you know, I'm expecting that to be your starting linebacking core next season. So we will watch for that. But um, similar to the offensive line, the defensive line is pretty well intact for this game. Um, and, and you start looking and thinking ahead to next year. Who is that new heart and soul? I think it's actually going to be a combo of Cayman Rucker who's coming back and Power Eccles. I think the two of them 
are your guys. They're the heart and soul of this defense. So I'm looking to see that start right now in the same way that I'm, I'm offensively looking to see, all right, let's run the Connor Harrell playbook. I want to see Cayman and power just take over this defense and be the guys. But then you also have to ask questions about the secondary. That is the, the unit defensively. That's probably the most jumbled up from what we've typically seen this season. And so, um, you know, Elijah Huzzy's still out. That is a massive blow. Um, and, and you just got to deal with things like that. So how does the defense come together? That is the what to watch for for me. Point number one, number two, what to watch for who cares about this game? No, I don't mean that. Like who cares about this game? I mean it like who cares about this game? Because in bowl season, this is always the truth of the matter. The team, the, the unit, the individual players that are really bought in is often the team that wins. Even if on paper, the other team is a lot better. Like I was r- reading about Florida State. They've got so many opt-outs for the Orange Bowl. Like that is probably going to be an absolute obliteration. But the issue is neither of those two teams want to be in that game because they both think they should be in the college football playoff. It's that kind of thing. So at some level, it's on the players to figure that out themselves. Like, how passionate am I about winning this game? Well, money's always on the line, right? Like, you're trying to get paid, not just NFL, but now NIL, you got to do it. Now, I think it's also on the coaching staffs to get their guys bought in. The dudes that are playing, be here, be invested, help set the tone for what we're going to do in 2024. So, you know. We just talked about Connor Harrell a little while ago. For example, this dude is going to care a ton about this game. Why? He's battling for a starting job for next year. Mr. Johnson coming over doesn't have the opportunity to play in this game. Connor Harrell does, and he's got an opportunity to say, hey, Coach Brown, hey, Coach Lindsey, I'm your dude. Don't look elsewhere. Now, he's going to have to continue to prove that in the spring and beyond, but if he can set the tone for that right now, I guarantee you Connor Harrell cares a ton about this football game. Number three in our what to watch for, Omarion Hampton. I'm curious to see, we talked about this with our depth chart conversation on uh, on Tuesday's show. Um, How much will the coaching staff rely on Omarion Hampton? I can see this going two ways. Number one, because Connor Harrell doesn't have all the reps under his belt, it's like, look, you got Omarion Hampton behind you. Just hand him the ball, let the line clear the way and let him go. Uh, Connor, use your legs and the two of you play off each other like Lamar Jackson would with his running backs, for example. Um, but on the other hand, I could see them saying, look, we've got Omari on Hampton and we don't want to risk doing anything to screw up his health or anything ahead of next season. So we're going to utilize him, but we're also going to use a very healthy dose of British Brooks and Caleb Hood as well. You see how like I could see the coaching staff going either of those ways. Um, Some of it might be game script. Some of it just might be a feel. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, but that's something I'm waiting to watch for. But as for Omarion, I think a couple things we're definitely going to see right now. He has 1,442 rushing yards this season. That is good for third all time in a single season in Carolina history. He's just 21 yards shy of moving into second place. So I think, you know, like Those honestly, during the regular season, you don't care about stuff like that. But in again, what's essentially an exhibition game, those are the things you're going for. Like, if I wouldn't be surprised if like Coach Brown's like, Look, Omarion, we're going to get you that yardage 
And then we might just start getting a revolving door in the backfield, right? So things like that. But Omarion, I mean, gosh, nine All-American teams he made this year. Um, and I think Carolina's usage of him will indicate to us to us their level of desire to win this football game or just see what they got. If Omarion is the bell cow, it means Carolina is trying to win this game. Number four in the what to watch for. Here we go. Uh, we've talked offense. We've talked defense. Let's talk the third part of the game, and that's the special teams factor. It's critically important in these types of bowl games to watch what happens with special teams. Why? Because, again, at this point, what have you got to lose? And so coaches, more often than they do in the regular season, are like, yeah, let's run a fake punt. Let's run that uh, trick play that we got up our sleeve in uh, particularly on special teams. Let's throw an onside kick at a random time that you're not expecting. Let's go for the fake field, whatever it is. These are the types of games when we see that. So uh, either way, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like um, Carol, since the punting game has changed due to injury midseason. I wouldn't be surprised, particularly in, in that part of Carolina's game, if that's where we see something like that happen. But when you think about it, you got Noah Barnett or Burnett, excuse me, who right now is the fourth most accurate kicker in all of FBS. Did you know that? It's true. 94.7% on his field goals. Um, again, with kick returners, Elijah Huzzy is out. That doesn't matter just on defense, but also special teams. So um, Chris Culliver, one of the young, talented wide receivers, is your kickoff returner, at least the number one on the depth chart. And then Nate McCollum is your number one punt return. So we'll watch that. West Virginia in particular is number four in the nation in punt return defense, allowing, I think their average is zero yards. And so I, I don't think we'll see much out of McCollum getting any returns, but again, you never know. Why not try something? Why not just return a ball that you probably shouldn't, that you should fair catch? We'll see what happens with that. So um, all of that is something to keep your eyes on. All right. Want to wrap up the show by just getting you ready for all the nitty gritty of the game. We got to get to know West Virginia. I want to give you my game predictions. I want to let you know about the series and what it's looked like. And we'll do all of that in just a second. Okay, look, it's only fitting. Carolina began the season in week one in the Dukes Mayo Classic in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. Now they're going to end it in the Dukes Mayo Bowl at Bank of America Stadium. And, you know, I say that with some funny jest um, in my voice, but I do think there is something to be said for having already played in this stadium, on this field, and close to home. So not only something to be said for playing in the stadium, but something to be said for it being a much shorter trip for Carolina. Not that it's massively far for West Virginia, but the Tar Heels only have 142 miles to travel from Keenan to Bank of America. Meanwhile, the Mountaineers have to go 378 miles from their stadium to Bank of America. So that's not nothing. That's not nothing. So that, that kind of thing can play a factor. For Carolina, as you start to think about the bowl game thing and, and what I talked about earlier about does it matter to win or not, this could be a factor in that decision. This is the fifth straight year Carolina has made a bowl game. You love having streaks of that. You you know, that should be a bottom line, especially in this day and age when there's 59,000 bowls to make. Um, but Carolina's made five in a row, but they've lost three in a row. The last time they won was Mac Brown's first season back 
um, in Chapel Hill for his second go round. They beat Temple in that game. I remember where I was during that. Like, hey, this is great. Great start to Mac Brown's postseason in round two. And then since then, the Tar Heels are 0-3. So maybe there's something to that. Like, hey, look, I know this game doesn't matter all that much, but we can't have four straight bowl losses. We got to go out and win this game. They're, they think you can't win because Drake May is not here. What are you going to do? I would I it would not shock me if that was the coaching staff's mindset. Now, series history between these two teams is really interesting. This will be the third time they've played all of them in bowl games. So um, Carolina and West Virginia played back in 2008 in the Meineke Card Care Bowl, a game that West Virginia won, interestingly enough, in Charlotte, 31 to 30. And the first time they played was back in 1996 in Jacksonville in the Toyota Gator Bowl. Carolina won that one. Um, in a little bit of a closer game. I think it was 30 to 23. Um, So uh, really interesting that all three times these two teams have met have been in a bowl game scenario. This right now, at least, is the rubber match. Getting to know West Virginia a little bit. You've probably not kept too many tabs on them this season. They're eight and four on the year. The losses are to Penn State, Houston, and both Oklahoma schools. Um, The wins are Duquesne, Pitt, Texas Tech, TCU, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Baylor. So understandable losses outside. I probably shouldn't have lost to Houston, um, but those others, you you totally get those. And then solid wins, nothing like phenomenal. Uh, Nobody that they've beaten. It's like, oh, that's a big time win. And so, uh, I mean, and so, so that's where they're sitting at, and that's why both teams are in this game, because they've done similar things. West Virginia's coach is Neil Brown. This is his fifth season uh, coaching the Mountaineers, 30-29 and 29 overall record. Would love to help him even that out at 30-30. and 30. Let me just tell you a few statistical things to know about West Virginia, kind of where their strong suits are. They rank number one amongst all Power 5 schools in rushing yards, They rank number one in the Big 12 and number two nationally in sacks allowed, you know, lack thereof. Um, And speaking of which, um, Garrett Green, their quarterbacks, only thrown seven picks this whole season. I I don't know that it's necessarily him, but their quarterbacks in totality have only thrown seven picks. So they're not getting sacked much, much and they're not giving up interceptions either. On the defensive side of things, Beanie Bishop, Leads the nation, you ready for this, in passes defensed, pass breakups, and forced incompletions. So um, that's going to be interesting for Connor Harold to navigate. Would have loved to have seen Drake May have to navigate that. Um, but, you know, be a great test for Connor Harold. Speaking of the quarterback on the other side, Garrett Green, got to watch out for him using his legs. So this is going to be a game where probably both quarterbacks are going to be taken off and running. He is the number one quarterback in the nation in rushing touchdowns with 13. Speaking of that offense, let me just tell you a few of the other key offensive players. Obviously, Garrett Green, you need to know about. Their running back situation is really interesting. No rusher has 800 or more yards, but here's why. They have three rushers with 700 yards, two of which are just ever so shy of 800. So CJ Donaldson, 798, Jaheim White, 792, and Garrett Green himself has 708, would obviously be a ton more. But remember in the NCAA, the sack yardage lost comes off of your rushing total. So keep that in mind. 
As for some of the key receivers to know, Devin Carter is the leading wide receiver, although he's only got 501 receiving yards. Cole Taylor is the leading tight end with 411 yards. And then two other receivers I just want to make mention of are Hudson Clement and Preston Fox. So that's a good primer getting you ready for this game. Carolina wrapping up their season, hopefully with a win. But again, at the end of the day, this is ultimately about finding out what you have for next year and wrapping up this season with better feelings than you had coming out of the NC State game. Woof. That means, got do you remember how dreadful Carolina's start was in that game? Yeah, cannot do that again. So my prediction here, again, Carolina is an underdog by six and a half points. I said in the FanDuel read, I would take Carolina all day to cover that. But not only am I going to say that Carolina covers, but wins this game outright. So that's my prediction for it. Uh, I think Connor Harrell is playing for a job and he's going to come out and do the work. All right, folks, been great to be together today getting ready for this football game. As I said, just another reminder, we will not have a football game recap on tomorrow's show because I'll be on a surprise visit with my wife to New York City. Super fun uh, little birthday experience for me, and I'm so grateful to her for that. But we'll have shows on Thursday and Friday. It's just I'm scrambling to pre-record them for you, so there's still content. Love that. Uh, you can come join our Discord. We'd love to always chat Tar Heels stuff with you. The link for that's in the show notes. If you want to email and have different kind of conversations with me, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on video and audio. We'd love it if you would leave us a rating and a review. Five stars. Talk about why you love the show. Smash the like button if you're watching. And we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on this football game. Folks, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to talk with you again tomorrow. But until then, peace.